You're listening to Resurrection Life with Pastor Nathan Trice. Saints of God and brothers and sisters of mine in the Lord Jesus Christ, He is risen. This, of course, means that you and I, as those united to Him by faith and participants already of His resurrection life and heirs of the life to come, well, we are of all men most to be envied. Indeed, our privileges are great. And brothers and sisters, I greet you in the hope of the resurrection yet again. So, it's come to my attention that my kids have been listening in on this podcast of mine on parenting uh, from their far-flung places, from Tennessee uh, and Mississippi and even the United Kingdom, uh, as well as uh, here locally in Matthews. Uh, They've been listening in. Uh, This has been, as you might be able to imagine, uh, humbling for me. Uh, I have been setting forth biblical ideals and standards uh, that I'm painfully aware I have many times fallen short of as a parent. So it's humbling to know my kids are listening in, but it's also been, I just want to say, uh, very encouraging. Uh, They have been uh, encouraging to me, uh, expressing appreciation even for the material on spanking uh, that I've recently been covering I will uh, say that uh, there is, I think, a unique moral authority uh, in advocates for spanking uh, to be found in those who not only have the Word of God, which is, of course, always fundamental uh, in making their uh, claims, but also uh, their own experience of God using ordinances like uh, the rod of discipline for good in their lives. Um, As I've said many times already, Uh, Ash and I have that great privilege, and it's a great encouragement to uh, consider uh, the many children of Resurrection Presbyterian Church uh, that will likewise have that kind of uh, moral authority to speak on behalf of what God's Word says is good and right uh, and for the eternal well-being of children in uh, their parenting uh, as the time comes. Well, my daughter was on the phone with me recently, and we were talking about a recent podcast, and it was in this area of the discipline of the Lord, uh, that very unpleasant part of parenting, but so very vital part of parenting, because the alternative is so much more unpleasant. Uh, Allie was reminding me of that uh, assessment made by the writer of First Kings uh, about the parenting of King David, and it's not a very complimentary assessment. It's found in 1 Kings 1. We're told there about the power grab that David's son Adonijah makes uh, for the throne. Uh, David's old at this point. His successor has not been at least clearly named, and Adonijah, his son, decides he's going to be king. And of course, as the story unfolds, this galvanizes uh, the old king with the help of Bathsheba, Uh, to keep his word and to appoint Solomon as his heir. But the storyteller of 1 Kings chapter 1 says this in verse 5, Now Adonijah the son of Haggith exalted himself, saying, I will be king. And he prepared for himself chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. Now you might have 
uh, the thought, I think I've heard this before, and you have. Listen as the author continues. He inserts this editorial comment in verse 6. His father had never at any time displeased him by asking, why have you done thus and so? This is the editorial comment on King David's parenting uh, that my daughter was reminding me of. And, of course, the uh, text goes on to say, he, that is Adonijah, was also a very handsome man, and he was born next after Absalom. And, of course, Absalom is the heartbreak uh, to King David that uh, we've just heard from the uh, latter part of Second Samuel so much about such ruinous end. And it's as if the writer is saying, it's happened again. David was a doting dad, perhaps especially to these most handsome of his sons. But in both cases, note this, his failure to confront his sons in their sin uh, resulted in great evil. So the Bible does give us vivid illustrations to accompany its warnings about the danger, uh, the hazards of discipline withheld from our children. Folks, today I want to focus on the kind of discipline that's actually referenced by the editor, uh, the author of 1 Kings. Uh, It's the kind of discipline we could call verbal confrontation. So far I've been talking about uh, the role of spanking in our discipline. But uh, here is where I want to make very clear that even after our children, we might say, age out of being spanked, uh, folks, they're still rightly to be disciplined and should be. Uh, And even in their early years, spanking isn't the only form of discipline that parents have. Proverbs says, after all, the rod and reproof give wisdom. So for today, I want to look at certain kinds of words, certain kinds of verbal exchanges with our kids that constitutes discipline. And they're captured in that word that is found throughout Proverbs of reproof. Reproof is what a parent is doing when he or she uh, expresses disapproval of something sinful in the behavior of their child. Sometimes the reproof uh, will precede a spanking. It's the identifying of the sin prior to a spanking uh, that I've already spoken to. But there are many times also when sinful behavior needs to be corrected in our child, and a word of reproof will do. Uh, Proverbs uh, opens up on this theme as well. Uh, It speaks of God's discipline by means of reproof, Proverbs 3.11. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. The Lord uh, disciplines by means of words. Uh, and then Proverbs 15.5 connects parental reproof uh, among ourselves uh, with wisdom for our children. Uh, Proverbs 15.5, a fool despises his father's instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is prudent. So uh, I'm going to have a lot more to say, Lord willing, in the future about verbal instruction teaching our children, but today I want to look at verbal discipline in our homes. And I'm going to divide our time into two parts. I want to talk first about the kind of verbal discipline that is life-giving 
for our children. And then, my friends, I need to talk, secondly, about the kind of verbal discipline, I'll put that in quotes, that becomes destructive to our children, that in fact uh, exasperates them. So, uh, those two things, I'll start with the kind of verbal discipline that is life-giving for our children. When I use that phrase, life-giving, I have in mind Proverbs, now chapter 15, uh, verse 31 and 32, speaking generally about this thing called reproof. The ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Whoever ignores instruction despises himself, but he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. So I think this applies very uh, directly to uh, what happens in our home, although it's a principle that's much broader than parenting. Uh, This is what can be said of our children, my friends. They gain wisdom by listening to your reproof. And this is what can be said of the ministry of verbal discipline. Uh, It is life-giving. That's what Proverbs calls reproof, life-giving reproof. Another way of saying this is not unlike of the rod of discipline that we've been talking about. These words uh, of reproof are a means of grace in the lives of our children. I have three kinds of life-giving verbal discipline in mind today. First, words of simple correction. Uh, then words of gracious warning, and then words of extended admonition. Simple correction. Uh, Folks, uh, all of our children are born with a conscience, uh, and so there is built into their souls this faculty that uh, discriminates between right and wrong. And so there is something that's very basic uh, in your child's soul that does not approve him when he bites his brother or sister, for example, even at a young age. But as is true of older um, humans, uh, ourselves included, folks, our children's consciences are, like everything else about them, broken by sin. And their sense of right and wrong needs to be cultivated. Their consciences need to be uh, taught, refined, uh, in light of God's Word. And one of the primary ways that our children learn the difference between right and wrong uh, from the very first days uh, in our our home is by simple uh, correction. Uh, Calling a child by name, uh, identifying what they're doing as sin, Uh, that in itself can be very effective uh, in this whole regard. Duncan, you may not speak to your mother that way. That is very disrespectful. That's what I have in mind by uh, simple correction. Tristan, you're doing what I said, but with a bad attitude, and that is still disobedient. That's simple correction. Owen, because I wouldn't want to leave you out, uh, you have no reason to be angry with your brother. Uh, That is selfish and unkind. Now, parents, uh, in those kinds of situations, you're called to identify sin uh, for your child to recognize and to repent of. And it's certainly appropriate in the course of making those kinds of corrections to show your own displeasure 
uh, with that sin. There is something wholesome about our children being brought up short uh, by our displeasure. They're seeing in us uh, an image, imperfect but real, of God's own displeasure uh, with sin. And so reproof uh, coming in the form of simple correction, it can range widely, quite appropriately. Sometimes it's a very gentle reminder. Other times it can be a very severe tone. We usually use the word rebuke. Uh, It's found in the scriptures and in the way we speak to refer to reproof that has become very strong and perhaps is delivered with a a particular kind of severity. I just say here, remember in all of this expression of displeasure, uh, even at times expressing severity uh, in your tone, uh, that our calling is to speak the truth to our children in love. So it's your love for your children that has to be a check on your displeasure. It's your own uh, righteousness that has to be a check on your anger. Um, And I'll be circling back around to this uh, in just a moment. Now, in a home where parental love and parental authority uh, are well-established, and in a home, I'll add, where uh, the severer kind of discipline of spankings do exist, they're a part of the home, folks, especially in that kind of home, words, mere words of reproof, can be so very effective. Uh, At times, they can be utterly sufficient all by themselves to check a child who's spinning up into some kind of sin, getting themselves all spun up. Um, They realize, oh, mom just gave me an opportunity to correct my behavior. And you'll see, uh, by God's grace, even Mere words can bring about the effect we talked about spankings are aiming at, sorrow for sin and a repentant heart. That can be the fruit of reproof. Ideally, and I do say ideally, um, a child's response is to say to reproof, I'm sorry, Daddy. Um, Sometimes that's not the immediate response. And folks, you understand why there's a struggle going on in your son or your daughter's heart over whether what you've said is fair and just and righteous and uh, takes into due consideration his brother's behavior and all those things. Give that son, or if you've chosen uh, to administer discipline by words of reproof, uh, give that reproof some time to have its effect in your child's heart. I, I'll register here uh, my own reservations about Say you're sorry, styles of parenting. That's uh, that's so very common, and it's so very good intentioned. Um, I have some reservations to uh, express, though, um, in this way, um, especially when saying "I'm sorry" is your child's alternative to getting a spanking. Well. That's not a way to solicit a sincere confession of sin and and a request for forgiveness from you or from someone else in the household. And I think it can actually short-circuit something that may well take more time. It seems like what we want for our children uh, is 
actually to be sorry, not just to say they're sorry. We want for them to express that sorrow sincerely. So uh, if you have chosen, your judgment is in the circumstances, a word of discipline uh, is sufficient. Uh, Give uh, the Lord time uh, to do a work in your child's heart. Um, And in some cases, uh, it may require your taking more time uh, to work through something with your child in conversation to actually lead them to a place of being able to say sincerely, uh, I'm sorry. That's a very important thing for any Christian to say, I am sorry, please forgive me. And we certainly don't want to coach our children in insincerity or premature expressions of sorrow. All right, back from that digression. Uh, Simple correction uh, is the first of the life-giving forms of verbal discipline. Words of gracious warning. Words of gracious warning is the second. Now, when I use the word warning, I just want to note to you that that text in Ephesians 6 uh, that's been our touchstone uh, early in this series, bring your children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That second word, instruction, the Greek is nuthesia, that has a broad meaning, and in some cases that word can actually be translated warning, the warning of the Lord. So Paul uses the word that way quite clearly, it seems, in Titus 3, verse 10. He says, as for a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him. Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. So you know, of course, what Paul means by that word warning, as we translate it in our English Bibles. A warning in general uh, is when someone is informed in advance of the consequences of their actions. Uh, You may get a warning from your HVAC guy. (laughs) He could come and service your unit and say to you, look, if you don't replace your unit now, it will fail uh, in the middle of the summer. And that's a... um, uh, uh, in, uh, that is information given to you about uh, the consequences of, in this case, not doing something. Well, parental warnings uh, come in a wide range, uh, quite rightly. Uh, they could look like very mature conversations with teenagers um, about patterns of sin in their life and Um, A conversation could have this kind of gracious warning as its primary uh, emphasis uh, saying to a daughter, for example, dear, I see in you uh, too much of a preoccupation with what boys think of you. So that's a word of discipline, verbal discipline that comes in the form of a gracious warning. Um, Today, and in the the place that we find ourselves in this series, I I have more in mind uh, parents of younger children still uh, who give warnings to their children of greater forms of discipline that will come uh, if certain behavior continues. So the parent says, son, I'm going to have to spank you if you keep goofing off instead of doing what I told you to do. Now, that's a kind of parental warning. And friends, uh, when warning is done well, 
It is a very Christ-like thing to do. Uh, Jesus' own ministry consisted again and again of warnings to the Jewish people and to those uh, there under his preaching ministry of punishment to come. Uh, And this was just an extension on Jesus' part of so much of what God, Yahweh, did in the Old Testament by means of the prophets. Uh, We hear the prophets and we hear stern words that they deliver to Israel and Judah in the Old Testament, but it is so important to remember, I emphasize this in um, Ministry at Resurrection, warnings from God are always signs of love and mercy and grace. Uh, It's a God giving his people opportunity to respond uh, to the information of what will happen if they continue in their sin. Uh, Sodom and Gomorrah were punished severely by God without any warning. But Israel and Judah, well, they eventually fell into the punishment of Yahweh as well. But only after warning, after warning, after warning, and God showed his grace. So, warnings are gracious when they're well done. Uh, And as a matter of fact, this can be, parents, one of the most proactive elements of your parenting. This is when you see a pattern of sin in your children. You're attentive. You're thoughtful. You've had your parenting conference, uh, husband and wife, together on it. And you point out to your children, uh, perhaps with a a combination of both teaching and correction, that pattern of sin. And then you make clear to your child what the consequences of continuing in that sin will be. This can be uh, an especially uh, effective form of discipline, and uh, it's especially appropriate, brothers and sisters, uh, in in several situations that come to my mind. Uh, For example, when childishness and sinfulness are both in play uh, in the behavior that has come to be a concern to you uh, in your child. Their attention spans are short. Their ability to be distracted is great. Uh, There's both sinfulness and childishness. Uh, A warning to um, make clear what's happening to your child uh, is especially relevant there. Or uh, when the sinful behavior, and it's just sinful, is also very subtle, and it, it may have taken you um, some time uh, to get a finger on it uh, conceptually. Well, gracious parenting will warn a child um, because you recognize that it's probably also hard for that child to see clearly the sinfulness of his behavior. Uh, sometimes it actually happens that our children are absolutely clueless. I mean, they're quite persuasive of that, and sometimes we know they're not just uh, pretending so as not to be disciplined. Sometimes we realize you're, um, we as parents are, are displeased. Our children are just surprised and shocked and confused, and uh, that can well be a moment when a warning is the best thing, um, a gracious warning As I speak about warnings, I just want to make sure I don't undo uh, any resolve that parents have uh, to faithfully discipline, even in this area of spanking. Folks, I just want to say there are times when warnings are entirely unnecessary and would even be 
inappropriate. Uh, If you've, for example, already worn sufficiently, or when the behavior is egregious, as we say, and uh, calls for something more severe, uh, you don't have to warn. Uh, Don't fall into a habit, for example, of thinking that before every spanking, there has to be a process of warning. I could also cite examples uh, from the scripture of God suddenly and without warning bringing consequences of sin upon his children because, well, they knew better and they did uh, what was exceedingly evil in his eyes. So someone says, all right, pastor, uh, tell me when I should warn and tell me when I shouldn't. <laughs> and I I just have to say, I'm, I'm not going to do that. Uh, it would be foolish for me to even attempt it. Other than uh, what I've already said about the kinds of circumstances where good judgment uh, would call for it, uh, that's a judgment call that parents have to make. Um, when you're warning of consequences of sin for noble reasons, uh, not selfish ones, when you're doing it out of love, not out of laziness, uh, then you are in a solid position uh, to reach for this particular kind of um, verbal discipline. Simple correction was number one. Gracious warning is number two. And then the third kind of life-giving reproof or verbal discipline is what I'll call words of extended admonition. Now, I'm using the word admonition here uh, to refer to a parent's instructions and exhortations that are specifically in response to some kind of sin. Sin is the occasion of it. And there's a, a reasoning and a persuading that a parent does with a child that um, does require a certain amount of maturity. Uh, I have uh, children who are... Um, uh, older than two, uh, that are being uh, admonished in an extended way. Uh, but First Corinthians 4, verse 14, the apostle uh, uses the word admonish the way that I'm using it now at this point. He says, I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. Uh, we at Resurrection are, are just now coming to the conclusion of um, series of sermons from both First and Second Corinthians, and uh, there is a great deal of verbal discipline uh, by the Apostle Paul of the Corinthian church in those letters. Uh, the verbal equivalent of spankings, I think the expression that someone has coined uh, somewhere along the way is tongue lashing. And indeed, um, with love, but with real severity, Paul has admonished the Corinthians as their spiritual father. Folks, in your home, dads and moms, in your parenting, uh, this extended admonition in response to sin is some of the most intense kind of heart work that you do as parents. Um, It's a kind of time out, but not the kind that's devoted to banishing your child from your presence to his room. It's a kind of time out you and your child take together to deal with the issue that's arisen. Uh, we're talking now about verbal discipline that's more than a word. It's more than a sentence. It's a, 
It's a conversation, and it's occasioned by sin. Sometimes it's a conversation that warrants dropping everything for. Um, That's hard to do. Oh, it is indeed hard to do. But sometimes, uh, friends, we don't have anything better to do than to drop everything and have a conversation. And the fact that we're dropping everything and the fact that we are uh, spending ourselves in conversation with our child has its own effect on them. It shows them uh, the seriousness of what uh, needs to be uh, addressed. Other times, it's not a drop everything conversation, but it is a circle back around kind of conversation. I've spoken of that in another context already. Uh, Emotions have died down, but the issue remains to be dealt with. The sin uh, still needs to be confronted. And it strikes me here that um, parents, you are, when you take those kinds of steps to have that intentional loving, confrontational conversation with your son or daughter. You're doing some of, those, some of the most pastoral kinds of work uh, in all of your ministry. Um, there is so much uh, sameness between what you're doing in your home with your children, what uh, pastors and elders do when they have to go and uh, armed with mere words uh, and seek to address sin in the lives of those under their care. Dads, I have a word especially for you uh, in this context. You need to be willing uh, to be put up to those conversations by your wives, by your children's mother. She may be the one encountering more than you the stubborn sin problems in your son or your daughter. She's suffering perhaps some of the liabilities that come from that old principle. Uh, Familiarity breeds contempt. Uh, There's been this struggle in the home. Perhaps you have been oblivious to it uh, in your place of work outside of the home. And she says to you, would you please talk to your son? Now, do not, dads, do not uh, view this merely as a kind of hot potato toss in your direction. Um, Assume that your wife uh, has had her fair share of uh, conversations that involved confronting your children with sin, and consider this instead as one of the most important ways for you to use your fatherly authority to have those intentional conversations that leads your son or your daughter to an awareness of sin. Um, This is part of being the parent-in-chief, dads, and it's because you get to, uh, that is, it's because you get to take the lead uh, many, many times on having some of these most demanding confrontations over sin. Sometimes you will um, be having that conversation with your wife at your side, uh, with your son or your daughter, I could have uh, spoken of this actually as well, dads, uh, back when I was still speaking of spanking. Um, I touched on it, um, but I would ask you men to realize uh, that as men, uh, your more commanding presence, generally speaking, will be a key part of success in discipline, especially when you're dealing with your own uh, future men, uh, your sons, 
Uh, Even mom's words and deeds of discipline carry more weight. Uh, When dad is involved, when he backs her up, uh, and when he's willing to step in, uh, when uh, given the the cue, if if you will, from his uh, parental partner. So, uh, ladies, I'm certainly not encouraging you to uh, fall back into a wait till your dad comes home mode of parenting. Uh, Mothers, your children need to be confronted by you. Uh, They need to be able to hear and respect your words. Don't do anything to undermine your own ministry uh, of discipline with your children, uh, such as uh, punting at every turn to your husband. Uh, But do, moms, do feel free uh, to And I will say, increasingly, as your children get older, uh, rely on dad to do some of this hard work uh, of confronting uh, maturing children with their sin. I remember uh, in the early days of my breakfast dates with my kids, which I hasten to say were not uh, occasions for confrontation of sin. Uh, As a rule, they were occasions for enjoying Uh, being with my kids. But there were times, I will confess, when before going out the door, I said privately to my wife, okay, what do I need to know? Uh, What am I talking about now? (laughs) Uh, My um, getting dialed in uh, on what Ashley was seeing and how I could strengthen uh, her hands, uh, doing so much of the heavy lifting in the home uh, in the occasions that I had uh, to... Uh, speak with my kids. Well, uh, this is uh, extended admonition uh, that along with simple correction and gracious warning are nothing less than life-giving words to our children. Brothers and sisters, God is ready to bless your words. He is ready to address, or rather to bless Uh, your efforts to address in your children their sins and never underestimate the power for good of your words. But now I do need to turn and to look for the rest of our time uh, at the kind of verbal discipline uh, that actually becomes exasperating to our children, that does not give life Uh, but that can actually be destructive. Do you remember um, the passage, again, Ephesians 6, how it begins? It's uh, calling us to bring our children up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord, but actually the apostle says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Uh, It's translated in one version, at least. Do not exasperate your children. Ah, now we need to talk about what that looks like. And it happens, I dare say, more than any other way in our homes by means of our words. Uh, If you thought it hard to spank well, it may actually be harder to discipline well with words, my friends. Uh, There are so many pitfalls to it. Uh, This form of parenting makes use of one of our most potent assets, but also one of our most unreliable assets, 
uh, our tongues. You remember Jesus said, out of the abundance of the mouth, uh, I'm sorry, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And all of our children have had the sinful contents of our hearts uh, slosh out onto them, if you will, uh, through our tongues. Uh, Situations in which, true enough, it was sin in our son or daughter that it was the occasion of it, but it it ends up with our own sins, uh, sometimes even being foremost. Now, my fellow parents, I am about to venture into some sensitive ground. Uh, at least I trust your conscience is sensitive uh, to your own failings in this area, and I am not interested in, in merely opening wounds uh, of sins you have repented for. But I need to point out here how much harm can be done to our children in the name, at least, of verbal discipline. I spoke about how spankings done badly can become physical abuse in the home. And also, discipline with our words, when done badly, can become verbal abuse. And I am inclined to think in many cases the emotional scars from this second kind of abuse can actually be worse uh, than the physical ones. So there are three ways that come to my mind to point out about verbal discipline uh, going bad. Angry outbursts, guilt manipulation, and empty threats. Angry outbursts is first. I spoke about anger in the area of spanking, uh, uncontrolled anger, which is almost certainly going to turn a spanking into something that's unbiblical. Well, Friends, it's almost as bad uh, to reprove or rebuke in uncontrolled anger as it is to spank. I have no desire to say here uh, that it's never right to raise your voice. Um, I simply cannot say that. There are certain circumstances in which uh, a kind of intensity and severity in our communication with our children can be appropriate. And moms, dads, you are right to to be fearful um, in your appearance uh, in certain situations of, of great sin. But I do say this. I pity your children. If they are regularly bearing the brunt of your out of control frustration and anger and resentment and what can actually amount to verbal assaults on children. You may be overwhelmed with the demands of what's happening, and you take that out on the kids. Or it may be that you're actually seeing real sin in your children, but your response to it becomes a kind of lashing out, resorting to insults or unchecked fury. Uh, This is a great evil. I point out to you that oftentimes this is the bitter fruit uh, in our homes of parents' refusal to deal with sin uh, through biblical spankings. Uh, When that hasn't uh, properly been a part of the pattern of our parenting, uh, that good but hard work of of spanking, well, parents are left with pent-up anger and frustration 
I actually have come to expect families that don't spank enough are going to be families that yell too much or parents that yell too much. And the problem, among others, about uh, outbursts that are angry and are regular in our homes is, folks, this robs us of the power that God intends for our spoken words to have. It's amazing how calloused children can become to the anger of their parents if it becomes a regular part of daily life. They have this ability to acquire a kind of emotional immunity to their parents' anger. And parents, we do it to ourselves. Uh, We cheapen the value of our own words of reproof by making them just mere uh, background noise. I was in a restaurant the other day uh, where I was one booth away from a a mother, presumably, and her three children. And um, I do think they were behaving somewhat badly, although I've seen a lot worse. But she had a face and a voice and a steady stream of words that were beginning to make my meal unpleasant. They were just so uh, relentlessly um, severe. But I was struck just taking glances every now and then at how absolutely not miserable those three kids were. They seemed to be carrying on uh, as if there was nothing happening. And in fact, I was seeing what I'm talking about here, uh, kids developing their immunities uh, to words of reproof. This was all par for the course, apparently, uh, I was deducing uh, for this family I realize as I speak of these things, some of you uh, were perhaps on the receiving end of this kind of parental anger, even rage. You may have had, in times, the occasion of your sin as the catalyst, but uh, the response of your parents was not to reprove you in a righteous and loving way. It was to attack you to belittle you, to insult you, to demean you, to tear you down. Brothers and sisters, this is not worthy to be called the discipline of the Lord. It's just parental bullying. It's a great evil in this world in which we live. It's an even greater evil if ever it's uh, to be found uh, in the church. I've made allowance for those occasions when there's a certain intensity, perhaps even a a measure of uh, volume in your voice. But brothers and sisters, let's be real. That is to say, let's be honest with ourselves. On the whole, if we're shouting, we're sinning. Uh, The decibel meter in your home uh, can also function as a sin meter, at least in that respect. Isn't it true? Um, Loving reproof uh, can speak sternly and intensely, can speak with displeasure, but it never looks like uncontrolled anger. So angry outbursts, uh, this is not life-giving reproof. This is a counterfeit of it. The second is uh, what I'm calling guilt manipulation. Uh, Some of us have a problem losing control with our kids in the name of verbal discipline, but others have a different kind of problem in this area, being manipulative of our kids in the name of verbal discipline. This is the line of communication with our kids that makes their sins more about us than about God. 
It's about our pointing out to our kids how much they displease us, how much they hurt us, our appealing to them on the basis of how hard they are making our lives, our trying to motivate them to do what is right, not uh, out of uh, love for Christ, but out of guilt and shame uh, and even pity uh, for us. Uh, You could call this woe is me uh, style of parenting. After all I've done for you, this is how you treat me. How many times have I had to tell you? Do you know how that makes me feel? I just asked you to do one little thing for me, and you can't even do that. Can't I just have a little peace and quiet around here? Do you hear it? This is You could call this whiny parent syndrome. This isn't the child whimpering in order to get what she wants. It's a parent whimpering to get what she wants. And of course, brothers and sisters, uh, it's all very manipulative, and it's all beside the point of our parenting calling. Uh, sure, your kids should do things out of love for you and a desire to please you. Yes, indeed. But there's always a greater issue at stake, isn't there? Our role as parents, as servants, as ambassadors, in fact, of the Lord Jesus is to call our children not, first of all, to consider how their sins affect us. It's to call them and point out to them and discipline them in light of how their sins affect their relationship with the Lord. Manipulative parents uh, make it about themselves rather than about leading their children again and again and again away from sin uh, to the Lord. And here again, even if parents, sorry, even if children don't even know what this word manipulation means, (laughs) um, friends, they they do acquire an ability uh, to get the gist of what's happening. And they begin tragically uh, to cease to care Um, how their behavior makes their parents feel because it's constantly being used as a tool of manipulation. Angry outbursts, guilt manipulation, and happily I only have one more uh, of these uh, forms of verbal discipline gone bad, and and that's what I'm calling empty threats. So when I spoke of warnings a minute ago, I spoke of them at their best as godlike in their graciousness. They're setting before the children that we're caring for the consequences of their sins with a view to their having opportunity uh, to avoid those consequences uh, by doing the right thing about their sin. But here's the counterfeit to Christ-like warnings. It looks like empty threats for sinful motives in us as parents that eventually amount to nothing more than just harassment of our children. Some parents, uh, you will perhaps have seen yourself, uh, talk more about spanking than they're actually willing to do the spanking. Hey, do you want a spanking? A um, a question that's uh, of very dubious um, <laughs> uh, effectiveness in our parenting. Uh, if you do that one more time, I'm going to spank. Get in here before I spank you. Or maybe even... I'm going to count to 10. Now, sometimes these are little drills uh, the parents have with their children. Uh, Parents get more and more and more apocalyptic in their threatenings. uh, And children who come to know their parents very, very well 
come to know exactly where they are in this little skit uh, that they've rehearsed many times and when they actually do finally need to do something in response to what their parent uh, is saying. Parents, don't play. Uh, Don't play this game with your children. Uh, Don't threaten your child with a spanking. Uh, If the circumstances call for a spanking, uh, you're just being delinquent at that point in your duty just as much as your child has been delinquent in theirs. Uh, Don't uh, threaten your child with a spanking if you have no intention of following through with it. You're just making a liar out of yourself with your children and undermining uh, your children's confidence in your words. Uh, Don't threaten your child with greater discipline just to throw your authority around. You're actually undermining that authority uh, by showing you're not really committed to using it. I think what makes this tempting, uh, parents, for us to do um, in the moment, that is to threat, uh, sorry, to threaten something rather than actually administering it, is, well, it can get results and it can save us uh, the trouble, the emotional energy expended and so on in, in actually doing what we need to do. But empty threats, oh, they get results for a time but not forever. Uh, Just like the boy uh, who cried wolf, uh, each threat that really is an empty threat gets harder and harder for our children uh, to believe. And these are the uh, little petty abuses of our authority as parents that we need to uh, simply uh, reject. Our children need to have confidence that when we speak to them in verbal discipline, we're doing it for their good, not our own good. And they need to uh, have the highest confidence uh, that we mean what we say when we speak. Well, my friends, uh, these are three ways in which verbal discipline, a good thing in itself, can go bad as a result of our own sin as parents. And I am certainly guilty countless times of turning the good work uh, of verbal discipline into something bad with my angry outbursts, my resorting to guilt manipulation, my giving empty threats. To the extent that I or that we do these things, I think That's at least part of what the Apostle Paul is warning against in Ephesians 6. Fathers, do not provoke or exasperate your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Know that if you are convicted, my fellow parents, uh, in this latter part of this podcast, I too uh, am convicted, and especially so as I I'm aware that my kids will probably listen to this podcast and perhaps have moments from the past come back to their memories uh, where I've sinned in just these ways. Far and away, the most apologies I've had to make to my children have been in this area. Uh, They've been in the area of sins of the tongue, which of course are always sins of the heart uh, that sloshes out of us by means of the tongue. Fellow parents, let me say before I leave this 
subject entirely. Have I mentioned how powerful those parental apologies can actually be? Uh, When they are sincere, when they are not contaminated by excuse-making and blame-shifting, when they're specific about your sin, when they, when they include that all-important request, humble request for your child's forgiveness, folks, uh, be encouraged. When you have occasion to do that, what gives you pain of heart is not itself uh, uh, something to be encouraged about, that is your sin, but the opportunity that you have should, at least in this respect, encourage you. You're modeling for your children what godly sorrow for sin looks like. I'll put it to you this way. Your children should have this one nailed by the time they leave your home, if nothing else. They know how to confess their sins, and they know how to ask for forgiveness. Why? Well, because they've seen you do it as their mom or their dad uh, to them many, many times. Confess sin to them. Uh, Ask forgiveness of them. And when you do that, when you humble yourself before your children, that is no threat to your authority, and that is no threat to their respect for you. Uh, Verbal abuse is certainly that. But humbling yourself for sin is only, by God's grace, restorative of uh, the high regard your children should hold you in. So parents, seek from the Lord grace to use your words well, uh, to correct your children to graciously warn them, uh, to admonish them. That is life-giving in your ministry to them. And then seek from the Lord humility to acknowledge to your kids when you fail in those very things. Well, this brings us uh, today not only to the end of another Resurrection Life podcast, uh, but also to, to a good place to hit pause on this series on parenting I do have uh, many more topics to cover in my plans for this series. This is parent pod number 16, and honestly, I I feel, folks, like I've just scratched the surface. But uh, it is summertime uh, here in the Carolinas. We're at a transition as a church from the school year to all that the summer will bring by way of adventure and distraction and Uh, I thought it a good time to shift gears uh, into other topics for the summer, and um, I will seek to broaden the immediate practical relevance of those topics for everyone, uh, not just those who are involved actively in parenting. Uh, Next time, I'll have more to say about my summer plans for Resurrection Life. Just know that I do plan to return to this series on parenting, uh, Lord willing, uh, with the coming a fall. And I'll just add, uh, as Nathaniel's voice uh, adds at the end of every podcast, if you know of other parents who would be helped by these messages, uh, please uh, share these things with them. We would love for this material uh, here at Resurrection to be of help to any who would be receptive to it uh, and would be blessed by it. Well, uh, the Lord keep you, my friends, and especially those of you with the unspeakable privilege, uh, as well as the fearful responsibility of being parents. Until next time, uh, the Lord keep you. You've been listening to Resurrection Life with Pastor Nathan Trice, a ministry of Resurrection Presbyterian Church in Matthews, North Carolina. If you've been blessed by today's podcast, consider sharing it with someone you know. And thank you for joining us.